This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's my Liverpool here on Blood Red. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for downloading and joining us as we lift the bonnet on some of your favourite contributors' connections with the Reds. We're talking childhood heroes, first Reds recollections, those early Anfield memories, as well as heartbreaks and nostalgic seasons for the ages. With me today, we have the face that runs the place, our head of football at the Echo, Joe Rimmer. Joe, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks, Guy. I like that. I like that introduction, the face that runs the place. Yeah, there we go. We can... Uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep that going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, today, we, yeah, we're going to be talking, as I say, there, kind of all your your Liverpool supporting memories growing up, and I suppose from where you in in terms of growing up, where you were then supporting and going to the game as a kid and cheering the Reds onto the position you find yourself in. Your relationship, I suppose, with the club changes somewhat. Massively, yeah. I mean, let's face it. You know, the 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 industry and the job that I'm in now, um, I got into because. You know, I love football and I love Liverpool and, you know, followed the club so closely, you know, in my sort of late teens, early 20s. And you, you you know, you, you try and combine passion. So I, I was like the English. So combine that with, with sports and, and, and enter a sports journalism degree and, and everything that comes with it. But since becoming, since coming to the Echo and, and, and the, the roles that I've since taken, um, I haven't been able to go to as many um to many games and stuff. I haven't been able to be, you know, to, to, to sort of enjoy Liverpool in the same way that I, I used to. Um, I've had to sort of take a step back. I'm quite often working from um, from our office or from home at the moment with the pandemic and what happened um, during match days. You know, it's it's our match day reporters like Doyle and, and Gorsi who, who get to go to the games more often. And you know, when I do get to go, I really enjoy it. But yeah, you know, followed them very closely when I was younger and now um, don't get to Anfield quite as much as I'd like to. But, you know, Liverpool's a massive part of my life. You know, I, you know every single day, a day doesn't go by without me speaking about the club, about my giving my opinions, whether that's privately or, you know, on the website or, or in the paper so, or on the podcast. So, yeah, you know, it, it's just it takes up a lot of my thinking. And, you know, I think anyone who, who loves football in the way that, you know, I do, you do, Guy, a lot of my friends do, is, you know, their, their partners are long suffering because, you know, everything comes first, you know, football always comes first and, you know, you're often distracted by what's going on, you know, at Anfield and Liverpool. So, yeah, so it's a massive part of my life and obviously a big part of my job and, um, you yeah, know, I love it. And sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm very lucky to do what I do because, let's face it, you know, even when we have the most stressful days and we've got big targets to hit and, you know, different pressures on us but at the end of the day I, I basically read and write about football for a living it's not that hard is it really when no. in the grand no, no, scheme of things uh, and it, I should, should consider myself very lucky yeah no I'm in a similar position myself in terms of I just I just talk into a microphone about, about football it's uh yeah it is one of those sometimes you do need to just look at yourself in the mirror about it all but anyway let's let's get into your your uh Connection with Liverpool then. And first question, as we always ask on my Liverpool, is who was your childhood hero? Who was the player who, who growing up, really captured your imagination? <laughs> um, well, you probably know the answer, don't you? Because I, yeah. I, I can't hide it on, on podcasts. And, and it's a weird one. You know, I've always, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, I'm going to say Emil Heskey. And the reason I say Emil Heskey is um, sort of, you know, when, when I... 
I sort of liked football when I was when I was little, you know, below below the age of ten. Um, but when you when you're that little, other things distract you. I wasn't really that bothered, you know. I sort of took an interest because my dad was a massive football fan and a massive Liverpool fan, and he'd buy me the kits, and you know, I'd, I'd sort of just like the kits. You know, you'd, you'd think about the likes of Fowler. You know, in the in the mid nineties when I was when I was a kid, Fowler was was the hero because he was the goal scorer. So, you know. I, it was only really when I started understanding football when I got to sort of 11, 12, I think, that I really started to get into it. And I, I liked Heskey because he was the whipping boy because he, he got a lot of abuse. And I, and I always thought it was unfair. You know, I, I always remember his first full season, the um, 2000, um, 2001 season when he scored 22 goals. He was just on fire. And, and the following season when Liverpool went close, he, he had a great season then. And, and then... You know, he was always this sort of player that got these, if Heskey plays for England, so can I, chance and all that nonsense. And I hated it because I just thought it was really unfair. I thought he was just an easy target. And and I thought that, you know, when, when I was growing up, that not every player is equal. You know, not every player can be the Michael Owen of the team or the Stephen Gerrard of the team. There has to be workers. There has to be different people to fulfil different roles. And I also, also liked that he never complained. You never heard him come out in the press and moan. You never heard him moan after games he got his head down and he did his job and he worked and he's always been like that i've been lucky enough to meet him a few times you know in the, in my career now and he's a properly humble really nice fella and you know sort of understands his role in the team and, and still does and you know i, I just I, I just loved him when i was growing up and i always stuck up before him and, and, and i always had that thing where the more I would say I liked him, the more people would criticise him, the more I would like him and the more I'd stick up for him and it, it grew and grew. So, yeah, I've got a little Emil Heskey bobblehead on my desk. Um, I'm not actually in my own, but I'd show you it if I did. But, yeah, I've got, got a little Heskey bobblehead on my desk and he's just always been my sort of cult hero, my sort of favourite player and he always represented the underdog to me. And also because I wasn't very good at football, I always thought, you know, it was, it, these players got got abuse and I always thought it was quite harsh and even now you know I get quite ask my mates about the arguments I've had with them about the likes of Dejan Love and Lucas Leiva people like that I always just think come in for uncalled for stick and I don't like I don't like people being made scapegoats and you know Heskey was sort of the first one my first love in that regard so him I mean others I mean in awe of Steven Gerrard he, he is someone in my lifetime Anyone my age, I'm 33. Anyone my age will tell you that you know, Suarez probably had the best one season, but but Gerard was just a force of nature in his prime. And you know, if it wasn't for him, we would, I wouldn't have so many of the happy memories that I had. Um, but then I used to love Gary McAllister. I remember Gary McAllister really, really loved him and respected him. Um, I could go on and on, but yeah, Luis Garcia, like the but yeah, I could go on and on. But Heskey is my main love. Um, Hopefully that explains a little bit why. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember not long after starting actually the job for for me growing up. Michael Owen was my childhood hero, albeit didn't play for the team I supported, but due to to England and that kind of star quality, all the the the, the kids TV programs, the, the the videos that you had, all the the, the Nintendo sixty four game, whatever it was, he was kind of the, the, the poster boy and, and my hero type thing. And 
I remember not long after starting, we had both him and Emil Heskey come into the studio to record. They both had books out around the same time, didn't they? And even then, there was yeah. kind of that understated vibe to Emil, who, as you say, myself as well, I've been fortunate enough to meet him a few times during my career as well. But that understated role that even, yeah, we've even got books out alongside each other. And yeah, his will probably sell more than mine. But hey, I've got a story to tell that I'm telling anyway. And like you say, just kind of always so humble and kind of, accepting his place in the pecking order almost, if if that makes sense. That's it. And I, I always thought, you know, I, I want someone to cheer from for him, you know. Like yeah. Michael Owen did get all the attention. And, yeah, I mean, I always just found Heskey, yeah, very humble. And, he, and, he, and I always felt like that when I watched him play, that he was humble, that he was quite shy. And he almost, yeah. it almost held, held him back at times. He was almost timid probably isn't the right word, but just very shy and, and, and sort of within himself. And I always remember my dad saying, oh, you know, he's the type of player that you need to put an arm around the shoulder, that sort of player. And, you know, I thought, you know, if only more of a Shelton for him, he might be a better, you know, yeah. better player. So, yeah, I, I always felt like someone needed to support him. And, and, yeah, when I was growing up, again, Owen got all the attention. Those early 2000s, you know, Michael Owen was brilliant, but yeah, he was on everything, on every poster, wasn't he? You know, he was the poster boy for Liverpool, the poster boy for England. And I was sick of the sight of him, so so yeah. <laughs> he was um, was my go-to man. Right, okay. You, you you kind of referenced as well what I'll, I'll ask you next, but the best player you've seen at Liverpool. So Heskey has got your heart. He is the childhood hero. But for you, who's who's been the best? Obviously, Stephen Gerrard will definitely, I suppose, be in the conversation. But Liverpool haven't been spoilt for choice in terms of... Oh, sorry, have been spoilt for choice in terms of star quality during your time watching the Reds. Uh, look, Stephen Gerrard isn't in the conversation. He is the conversation. <laughs> you know, any... Anyone my age, if they don't say Steven Gerrard, I'd be absolutely gobsmacked because, you know, he was just, he could do a bit of everything. He was just a force of nature at his, at his best. You know, I was at the, the West Ham game in, in, in 2006 and, you know, what he did was just, it was almost superhuman that day. You know, he dragged them back into it when they were when they were two goals down. And then when they go 3-2 down, the goal he scores at the end is something, it's something you expect to do on FIFA. It's not, it's not real life, is it? You know, you even watch it now and think he just hits it he, from where he scores and the height of the ball and everything. He's got no right to score, and he, that was that was every week. It wasn't it wasn't a one off, and I, I almost think I almost think because he didn't win a Premier League and people get so caught up in this like Gerard never won the league. I mean, people forget how good he was. He he was just an absolute force of nature. He was. Brilliant! He could do everything. He could head the ball. He could pass with both feet. He could score. He could, you know, he could dribble with it. He could defend. You know, he, he, he was selfless at times. I think I think that's often forgotten about Gerard that he was selfless. You know, he he would he would play right back if needed to. He would defend and, you know, just just look at you know, Istanbul in the biggest of games he showed up. But in in every game he showed up, even in the struggles he showed up. I mean, I'm lucky, you know, he had his head turned a couple of times, but he stayed loyal to Liverpool. And God, he played through some some bad, bad teams. And I don't know whether many players in the modern era, um, in the more modern era, would put up with that. You know, if you think back to like 2010-11, when Liverpool were really struggling, and before that, 2002-03, you know, he played in some pretty poor teams. And nowadays, players just move, don't they? But Gerrard got his head down, and you know, Liverpool obviously meant a lot to him. And, and dragged Liverpool through some some really dark periods, and 
really for, for, for all of us who supported the club when managers came and went, him and Carragher with the, the two sort of pillars. So, you know, there have been some massively talented players. I mean, Luis Suarez was just, I've never seen someone more consumed with football. You know, he would give anything to win a throw-in. Um, Fernando Torres was, was wonderful to watch and gave us all a lift. Probably, I don't think I've ever been more excited by a signing, the way he came in and, and immediately had an impact. He was great. I mean, Van Dijk is just a, a Rolls-Royce. It's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, that the Rolls-Royce of a player, but the way he plays with his chest out and just with such little such little regard for the, the attackers that he plays against. Um, again, amazing, wonderful impact. Salad that first season, wow. But Gerard just, you know, he did it over such a long time. He did it in really poor teams. He did it in good teams. Um, he single-handedly won trophies. You know, I, I feel sorry for him that he didn't win more trophies. He should have done. He deserves it. But he's got he's got more than that. He's got like, the, the just the adulation of, of, of so many Liverpool fans. And for me, nobody comes close. Nobody comes close. And don't think anyone ever will because he'd be just that good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely with you as well in in terms of yes, it was obviously disappointing for him that his career went by without winning a Premier League trophy. But he has that adulation of the red half of the city that he, he would have always craved, which could have been tarnished had he moved on. People talk now about Harry Kane. Oh, it will be a shame if he never gets to win a Premier League title. Well, well, no, he's a goal scorer. He has been a, a Tottenham player all, all of his career, and surely that does mean something within itself. But any because. It, I mean, even even to me, someone like Alan Shearer, for example, yes, he won a Premier League title at Blackburn, but he's more synonymous and known for what yeah. he did at Newcastle, not winning a title, yeah. but becoming their record scorer. Exactly. And, and there's players that bounce around and go win titles. I mean, I, I, I'm not targeting them, but a lot of players moved to Chelsea, and, you know, in the mid-2000s when they, when they were good. And you don't, I don't think you necessarily remember them or, or care about them, you know, whereas I think, yeah, Alan Shearer remains, I mean, let's face it, he was a really, really great goal scorer, but remains a massive figure in English football. And a big part of that is because he stayed at one club, well, Newcastle, for, for a very long time, his, his boyhood club. And even where he could have left them, probably should have left them in terms of win trophies, he stayed and scored a lot of goals. And, and Gerard did the same. And yeah, I don't think, I don't, but yeah, I'm with you on Kane. I just think he can go to Man City. Yeah, he'll probably win a couple of titles. He might even win the European Cup if they can get their act together in that competition. And, but it'll mean what will that mean to him? You know, it, it won't really, really mean anything to, to the wider fan base. It might it might mean that he's got these me, these medals in his collection, but you never know. He could have a statue outside of Tottenham Stadium. You know, there's I, I think if he just stays there and becomes their record goal scorer, he'd be be far more loved. By by people than he would go to Man City, but that but I understand why why he, he perhaps wants to move on. You know, I don't think Tottenham, with the greatest respect, has the same aura that Liverpool has. Even when Liverpool was struggling, and even when Liverpool had bad bad seasons, you always got the feeling, like you do with United, that to an extent that they'll come again. Tottenham, not so much, but but yeah, you know, I, I do think. Gerard deserves more credit because he stayed at Liverpool than perhaps if he'd have just bounced around and gone to Chelsea. And, you know, I was thinking Frank Lampard going to, to, to Man City at the end of his career and just thinking, uh, <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. You know, if I was him, I'd rather just not, not have been there and just retired at, at Chelsea. But, I, you know, that, 
I understand their reasons, but it just, just doesn't sit right with me. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, we're going to talk some first and also favourites now. So we'll, we'll talk about matches. We'll talk about signings as well. The first game you remember kind of going on and also what, what's been your favourite match. And then, as I say, on signings as well. First real big signing you remember, but also you mentioned Torres before, the first one that really sort of got you really, really excited. But we'll, we'll start with the matches mm-hmm. first. In terms, in terms of the matches, everyone always says, what's your first game? And I always find this quite weird that people... People they go ah oh, first gamers and they'll they'll tell you and uh, like the, the, they'll have the perfect memory but I don't yeah. I just remember I remember going to Anfield with my dad when I was very I must have been I don't know six seven and I, I don't know about you but I don't really remember much from when no. I was like that age and I always just I think it, I, I think it might have been Tottenham don't know for sure. I remember when Liverpool scored, everyone jumping up and, and not being able to see anything and being very like, our, our season tickets in our family have always been in the main stand. And, you know, so it's not like the, the, the place with the most atmosphere, but I always remember everyone standing up and not being able to see anything, feeling so small, um, you know, being a bit overawed by it. And, you know, I think I only went a couple of times when I was really small and it was only when I got to sort of 10, 11 that I really started going to games. I remember the first, this game sticks out in my mind. It wasn't the first game I went to. It was probably within the first 10 though because um, I went to a few of the travel season and then the following season I started to go to more. But I remember the game when, Guy, you might not remember this, but Liverpool fans were when the lights went out in Anfield against against um, Newcastle. They won 3-0 Liverpool, but before the game, there was a power cut, so we were just in the dark in Anfield, which felt like forever. It probably wasn't even that long, looking back, but at the time, it felt like we were waiting forever, and, and Anfield was just eerie pitch black. So I, I remember that. But yeah, I don't remember my first game. I, I, I always feel a bit sad that I don't. Yeah. And, you know... My dad's not the type to sort of collect the program and all that, so he, he won't have done that. He, you know, he'd have just taken me and my brother at some point, but I don't really remember. I remember there being a Mackey's on the cop and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and you have these little mem- memories from when you were young, but yeah, I don't think I went to loads when I was sort of before 10. And yeah. then once I got to 10, 11, probably 11 when I was in senior school, I remember my dad taking me around to the to, to the seat, allowing me to go in and sit, but I, was, I sat on my own. Um, so my dad took me to the to, to the turnstile and stuff. But yeah, when I was really little, no, I don't remember. But the, I mean, favorite games. Well, um, there's there's a few, but you know, be tempted to say Istanbul. I never went to Istanbul. I had a sociology exam on the day. And I don't know why I ever was convinced that sociology was more important than Istanbul. But at the time, I thought like, <laughs> oh my god, if I miss this exam, I'll you know. I'll, I won't have a career when I'm older. So I ended up missing Istanbul, went to Athens two years later, which wasn't great. But but I first cup final I ever went to was 2003 when they beat United 2-0 in the League Cup um, at Cardiff. And um, I always think it's the most underrated of cup finals. I've been to a few cup finals and I honestly think the atmosphere there was the best. They had the roof on and the roof on made such a difference that the atmosphere was amazing at Cardiff. The, the, the um, I've been to Wembley a few times. I just don't like it, and I think Cardiff just had it felt steeper. It felt more sort of, it felt smaller. It felt more contained, and, and and then the roof on just took it up another level. And um, and yeah, that day was was brilliant because Liverpool were a pretty crap team at the time. You know, they'd really struggled in the league. You know, that 
did add the, the game against United where Dudek had dropped a couple of errors. So United have won at Anfield and they won 4-0 in the opposite game at Old Trafford. So really, Liverpool were just not in good shape at all at that time. And they went into that game as massive underdogs and they just hit United on the counter-attack a couple of times. But it was one of those backs-to-the-walls performances which makes for a better atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and and I really love that game. And, I, and look back at it and just think, what an amazing day that was, and it it was it was nice because I always think of, of football and growing up um, and supporting football as, as being a family thing. You know, I went with my dad, I went with my brother, and it you know it was something that I used to do with my dad, and 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 even now, you know, my biggest regrets now is is that I don't go to as many games with him and I don't get to share those experiences with him because of the job, and you know, you know that that kind of makes me sad. You know, I'd, I'd like to sort of share more experiences with him. Um, and I'd like to do the same with, with my kids. I've got two little boys. I'd love to do the same with them. But it was always a, a family thing. And I, I always remember that game for for, um, for getting the best bit of dad advice that, that he possibly ever gave me. I don't think he, I've even told him this story. I've, I've told a few people. And I told it in a job interview to get this job at the Echo. but Because um, I was asked for my favourite experience. But I remember that game, the 2003, we went. We stayed down in Cardiff in a, in a little hotel. Um, me, me and my dad and my brother. And... Um, at the time, I had like one of my first girlfriends, and you know what it's like when you're that age and you get a girlfriend. That every argument feels like the end of the world. And we'd had a row when I was on my phone, like a Nokia thirty two ten or whatever it was back then, and texted her. And we'd gone the game, amazing day. Come back to the hotel and gone in, and um, I was I was in the bathroom texting and quite upset, you know, <laughs> like going back and forth. We'd had this argument, and my dad like opened the door, grabbed my phone, and went. Son, this is the best day of your life. Start acting like it. And I, I always remember thinking, like, I don't know whether I acted like it at the time, but I always look back now and think, yeah, it was at the time. It, it really was the best day of my life. It was amazing. I've never experienced anything like it. And it was a lovely close moment with my dad and my brother, which I, I absolutely cherish. So, yeah, that, that is an amazing memory. And, um, and then, I mean, the best game I ever went to in terms of atmosphere and in terms of just everything about it is, is Chelsea 2005. Personally, you know, again, because of the job, I didn't see the Barcelona game. Um, well, sorry, I did see the Barcelona game. I, I wasn't at the Barcelona game. Yeah. But as much as like Barcelona was this miraculous comeback, which will never be repeated, Chelsea again was this backs to the wall, like we cannot make a single mistake type of game, which the atmosphere was amazing, but it was nervy. It was, it was like, it was as horrible as it was magnificent. And it was just all these feelings and all these emotions and sort of like the cringes every time Chelsea got the ball, you know, the saves Dudek made. I remember making a save from a free kick from Lampard. And then, and then the, the most tense moment I, I think I've ever felt in life was when, um, Good Johnson had that shot yeah. whistled across the face of goal. And I, I remember just so vividly, um, you know, the, the old advertising hoardings they had in the Champions League, you know, MasterCard and all that. Yeah. And I always remember them and I remember his shot flying across the face of the goal. And I remember the thump of it hitting those hoardings. And that was like the starting gun for Anfield to explode with like emotion and, and to be like to know we're gonna get it, we're gonna do it. Um and yeah, I remember so much of that game vividly. We had the chill five ways after afterwards. I remember like hugging my dad, you know, and, and it was just it was just amazing. I, I, I love that game and I have so much happy memories looking back at that one. So those are my two games, but been to been to many good ones, been spoiled. 
um, along the way, you know, that period in the 2000s when Benitez's side just seemed to beat every big European team, went to all of them. Um, and, you know, I always remember being in uni when Tina and Preston said, well, you go. And we, we, uh, I always remember uni was when I really sort of like, sort of argued with a lot of people about Liverpool and, and sort of I remember always coming back and everyone expected Liverpool to get beat and you'd come back and go yeah we just beat Barcelona we just beat Inter Milan we just beat Arsenal we just beat Real Madrid and coming back like one arrogant so and so after all them games and yeah um, love that love that period of my life it was, it was good fun The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo what about the signings then? You mentioned Torres before. That that to me sort of seems to be one of those f- real flashy ones of sort of the, the, the mid-2000s with the... Mm. You don't really see it now, do you, with the, the, the scarf over his head sort yeah. of unveiled at Anfield. Now it's all about social media videos, but yeah, yeah what yeah. about signings? Yeah, and you get all like... You get the pictures, don't you? And they're all kind of like quite cool but back then it was just the scarf and I was going to say for me it was getting magazine. it was getting the latest copies of Match Magazine and just yeah. seeing the yeah, yeah that, that kind of thing yeah. I used to get I always remember we, as a family we always used to holiday in France and we'd always drive down and um, I always remember getting 442 the, the season preview Yeah, and I always remember getting that for the way down there because it was always out around that time um, and you know all that all the new signings in there but yeah I mean Going back when I was little, I remember Collymore a little bit. I have vague memories of that. But, I, I mean, what was the first one I was excited about? I was excited about the youth, I must admit. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember being in French. In, I don't know why all these French memories, but French class. And um, one of my mates, um, Josh Ablett, he was Gary Ablett's son, actually. He, he, uh, he was in class with me. I remember him passing, passing me... Um, the um, World Soccer magazine with, well, it might have been 442, with Dave with on the front after he just had like that amazing World Cup and stuff. And we, we'd signed him. And I always remember that going around and him being like, at the time, you know, like thinking, oh, we've signed a future superstar here. That didn't turn out so well. No. Um, no. Uh, and I can't remember being, so yep. I remember getting the um, the echo um, when, when Liverpool signed an Elko and sitting with my dad as a news agent, sitting on the Stephanie my dad's shop reading the echo and, and signing Anelka and being pretty excited about that, thinking that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Torres was the first one that I really felt like, probably isn't isn't strictly true, but I felt like in my lifetime, Liverpool made, and at that time the money was going around, wasn't it? So you had Chelsea, you had United, who was always able to spend big. And I was thinking that Liverpool were considered a money club, but weren't really a money club in the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, Liverpool broke that 20 million barrier. And when they did, it was like, wow, you know, we've we've broken 20 million on a player. Um, and they signed Torres. And, and, and I remember at the time thinking like, well, you know, we've, we've signed a, a big, big name here. But not knowing how good he'd really be, because I remember at the time, he, I don't think he was like prolific no, he wasn't. No, he, was, he, he was just like the pinnacle, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah I, I remember, funnily enough, having a having a, a Spaniard in my school, actually, he was an Atlético yeah. Madrid fan. And when it was yeah. happening, was was like devastated. They were losing Torres, but more yeah. the fact that it was the local boy going yeah. as opposed to being able to replace him in terms of his goal output. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a figurehead, wasn't he, for him? But I always remember looking at like Wikipedia and, and thinking, like, he doesn't exactly score. Like, I can't remember. I might be wrong about this, but it felt like he was scoring... 10, 12, 15, rather than like 20 plus. 
Yeah. But then seeing him in that first game at Anfield against Chelsea when he dragged the ball around Tel Ben Lane yeah. and scored made me think like, okay, actually this lad's this lad is something special. And 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 I just think he, he fitted the Premier League and he fitted Liverpool. And that's why it never worked at Chelsea, because Liverpool, you know, Chelsea played and, and they've always played, haven't they, with like a figurehead type of type of striker and you know a guy with his back to goal. Whereas Liverpool at that time wanted wanted a pacey player, wanted someone with power who could run him behind, and it suited him perfectly. And Gerard obviously linked up, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was like he immediately had a song. There was that Nike advert, and everything about him felt like Liverpool had a superstar. And um, I don't really think. They've made many signings like that since, really. Because uh, because strikers always strikers always sort of got a bit more emotion, don't they? And, and yeah. I think even now, you know, Van Dijk was obviously a massive sign, but because he's a defender, you don't quite get the same same emotions. Um, Thiago was obviously, you know, a really well respected player, but I don't think anyone expected him to come in and change things. Whereas Torres, there was a lot of expectation on him, and, and even you know, look back at Suarez. Suarez was signed from 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 Holland, and I always remember like you'd sign a player from Holland, and it could go either way, couldn't it? So yeah. I don't think anyone expected Suarez to be as good. He was also overshadowed by Cal. I was very excited off Cal, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, Torres just—it was just a signing that really captured everything. It felt like Liverpool spent big. He felt like a superstar. He played like a superstar, and yeah, it felt like Liverpool had their first superstar that they'd actually gone out. Balls in, in my lifestyle. I'll ask you about your, your favourite season. You can go back and relive shortly. But before that, you, you've referenced heartbreak already on this podcast, but not in terms of football. That was your own personal uh, heartbreak or, or whatever it, it was in the, in the toilets <laughs> in Cardiff. But what, what about your first Liverpool heartbreak? The first time you actually thought, ah, this isn't always as, as fun as what I thought it was going to be along the road? Oh, um... It can be anything, a sale, a a defeat, a cup final defeat, whatever, yeah. It's difficult, really, because I've always taken taken defeats quite hard, but at the same time, been able, especially if I've been to the game, been able to contextualise it and be like, okay, well, you know, I remember going to Athens and being gutted, but I remember making a point of staying, that's staying, and that's something Liverpool fans, by the way, I think always do very well, stay, watch AC, AC Milan lift the cup and, and say to myself, well, I've been to a European Cup final, and, and you know that's the pinnacle to me of of club football. And and you know I, I've been there, I've watched a team, even if it wasn't my team, lift the trophy. I should appreciate it, even though Athens wasn't the nicest experience all round. So that was heartbreaking, but I, I don't think I was like devastated. There was always the feeling then that Liverpool would be back as well. Um, I mean. A couple of years ago when Liverpool went close to win the title and didn't do it against City. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was, again, devastated because I felt like there was something good about the Liverpool team, but not winning the title for so long and people building it up for so much. felt like, God, if we don't do it, if we miss this opportunity, we might not get another one. Someone might leave. It might all fall apart. It has in the past. What about the end yeah. of the 2008-9 season? Because I suppose... Yeah, as I mean, you was, as you sort of said, it, it feels as though that kind of time around winning the FA Cup and the, yeah. the, the Champions League finals or whatever was a big time for you. And for spells of that campaign, it did really look, especially after winning at Old Trafford, like you guys might finally do it. Yeah, but that that one is a weird one because it 
because again, Liverpool f- finished the season so strongly that it always felt yeah. like we had a bit of momentum. I was at the Arsenal four-four game, and I remember afterwards people being like, "Liverpool blew their title chances." I don't. I came away from it thinking like, it went long ago, and 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 all that happened is that we were always playing catch up and always just making a late run for it, and and it went around sort of Christmas time when they were, when they yeah. were drawing a lot of games and. And, and didn't sort of drive home the advantage because United were worried playing in the um, Club World Cup and they, and they didn't drive home their advantage then. So I never felt like like we we dropped it and you know do you know what actually twenty fourteen was hard. Twenty fourteen was hard because it did feel like the Chelsea game was probably as, as devastated as I've been because you know again Crystal Palace I never really understand why anyone was that upset um, about the Crystal Palace game because again it felt like it had gone. And Palace, we were trying to win at eleven nil. You know, it wasn't yeah. like it, it wasn't like even if they won three two at Palace. It, it, to me, you know, I still always thought well, City will go and win their games. They always had a, a favourable run. Whereas, you know, the Chelsea game was like, if you look back now, if they'd just drawn that game, yeah. if they just got through and drawn that game, you know, that was devastating. And the way it happened, and you know, but yeah, I mean, players leaving. I was away for Torres. I was I was travelling, so I wasn't again wasn't that bothered. Plus, Liverpool overshadowed it with a couple of big signings, which I thought would work out quite well. Um, Suarez was a bit gutted, a bit gutted about Suarez. Um, wasn't that gutted about Owen because a new manager had come in and you know just what about of, when Gerard uh, initially said he was going? Did that? Did that? Yeah, get that, you? that hurt. I remember, I remember yeah. thinking, oh, oh, sugar, we're in trouble now. Yeah. Um, you know, like because at the time. He was pretty much all Liverpool had to shout about and to take him out of the team, I think, would have been devastating. So that was hard. But that all happened so fast. And it's not like now where you'd sit on Twitter and go, oh, God, Gerard's leaving and, and spend the day refreshing Twitter. It was basically like in the morning you read that he was leaving and then the afternoon, it might, I think Sky Sports News might have been on or whatever or, or just the evening news or the evening echo and, and then he was staying. So it's not like now you you live every moment of the, mm-hmm. of the of the anguish don't you you know social media makes you do that and and, and and opposition fans are so much more there aren't they to rub it in your face um i mean i, I didn't take defeats well and i remember being in uni being being surrounded by opposition fans whether it was united or chelsea at the time maybe skin crawl being bitter around those fans and, and taking defeats wasn't exactly nice i wasn't very very good at being a good loser but I think the game when he loves football isn't a good loser. No, fair enough. What about then the, the one season if you could go back and relive it one more time, which which campaign is the campaign for you? I mean 2018-19 was great. It was really good. And although they missed out the title, the, the sort of the prize of winning the European Cup was amazing. It was just a good year all round. My my first son was born. I just loved, I loved 2018, 19. Um, so that would probably be tough. Going back further in my life, 08, 09, I, I just have great memories of that year. You know, um, the old Trafford win, the Real Madrid win. Um, you know, I, I was in my third year of uni, you know, sort of, it's, you know, it's the peak of your young life, that, that time of your life, isn't it, really? You know, so I, I loved that year. And then going further back, um, 01, 02, love that. And then the, the travel season, you know, just getting into football and really enjoying, really enjoying seeing, you see your team win some trophies and, you know, all those memories I was talking about earlier with my dad. So, so some of them, um, 
but 18, 19, yeah. Um, big, big, big year in my, in my life, both personal and, um, and for Liverpool as well. Uh, brilliant stuff. Well, that wraps us up then, Joe. My Liverpool complete. Brilliant to, uh, yeah, really get under the, the into the fabric of your connection with the Reds. Really enjoyed that. Hope you've enjoyed listening in as well. Do make sure to uh, leave us a rating and review wherever it is you do subscribe to the Blood Red channel. But from myself, Guy Clark and Joe Rimmer, thanks for your time and company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.